Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CGSR, 88.5 in Edmonton, and around the world on CGSR.com. My name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins. And I'm Lisa Pruden. And we'll be your hosts for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women from Edmonton and around the world. Seeing as January is a month of new beginnings and resolutions, we thought we'd talk about commitments to ourselves. One of the biggest commitments we can make is to our own mental health and well-being. There are many different ways to take care of our mental health, such as taking time for self-care or maintaining our relationships with others. On today's show, we're going to be talking specifically about the steps involved in seeking out a mental health professional. Yeah, that's right. Rosiva and I sat down with registered provisional psychologist Lauren Groves to talk about how to go about seeking a mental health therapist for the first time. We had a great conversation about how to choose a therapist, when to start looking for one, and what a first session might look like. It was quite a lengthy discussion, so we are going to split this up into two parts. You'll hear part one today and part two in our episode in two weeks' time. Here's Rosiva and I's discussion with Lauren Groves. Should we dive in? Yes. Sounds good. So, uh, my name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins, producer for Adam and Eve. I'm here on a lovely Monday, holiday Monday. Um, my name's Lisa, also with Adam and Eve, and it's uh, this is a pretty nice way to spend a holiday Monday. Some cool people. Cool people like Lauren. Lauren, I don't know your last name. That's okay. Um, my name is Lauren Groves. I'm a registered provisional psychologist uh, with Ignite Counseling and Wellness. Very nice. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. So just to explain our positions, because... Lauren is a provisional psychologist. We're very happy to talk to her about the experience of seeing a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So to let everyone know my uh, life experience on this, I funnily funnily enough did a degree, my um, Bachelor's of Arts in psychology, but never went to a therapist until I started working and getting benefits. And then I noticed in my benefits plan that there was uh, money there to see a therapist, and I thought this would be a good time for me. So I went online and looked up specifically um, kind of keywords that I was looking for and found a therapist and saw them. And so that's my experience with therapy. Excellent. And and mine is, I also did my, my degree, my Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, but I have yet to actually go and see a therapist or a psychologist. Um, and, and there's like a weird disconnect for me because I have friends who do it. It's great for them. They say good things about it. And cognitively I know and believe in it as a thing to do but when it comes to doing it for myself there seems to be a weird cognitive disconnect where I'm like well but you know I'll give myself like a deadline if I still feel like I need to go in a couple of weeks then I'll pull the pin but I've I've yet to actually pull the pin so I'm very excited to talk to you Lauren about Mm -hmm. about what to expect and yeah. And and how how to navigate this thing that I seem somehow unwilling to do. Yeah. And I think your experience is is much like a lot of people where there's a like you said, this disconnect where you think, Oh yeah, maybe that would be helpful, but counseling is not something that I do or it's not for me or the issues that I'm facing my in my life are not big enough or 
or significant enough for it to warrant therapy. And I think that that's a lot of barriers for people. So um, earlier we had mentioned that you're a provisional psychologist. Yes. Um, and that's different from a registered psychologist. Yes. Um, I always kind of jokingly explain to people that just because I'm provisional doesn't mean I did something wrong and I'm like on <laughs> probation or something like that. Um, a provisional psychologist is a, is a step towards becoming a registered psychologist that everybody needs to do before you're registered. Um, so I do have a master's degree. I've completed that. Um, after that, you get your credentials reviewed Reviewed and you find a supervisor that you want to work with, and then you have to complete 1,600 hours of supervised practice as a provisional psychologist and um, complete two exams as well before you can become a registered psychologist. And so this is just something that, uh, that our field has created as a way of um, ensuring quality control, I guess, uh, making sure that people have the experience when or have the ability when they're brand new to have that support of having somebody who's been in the field for much longer than them um, while they're trying to navigate not only applying their skills that they've learned in school, but also um, all the emotional stuff that comes with that yourself as being somebody that's in the helping profession. Yeah, definitely that. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Um, I guess a question I would have for someone in Lisa's position that's ever gone to therapy why is therapy beneficial? Mm-hmm. I think you could ask 10 people and get 10 different answers. Um, it really, I think, depends on what it is that you're hoping to get out of therapy. Um, in my experience, what I find to be most helpful is having a space that is non-judgmental, that's open, um, with somebody who is not in your immediate group of of people in your life so you have somebody that's I'm hesitant to say non-biased because we all carry our biases but who's not heavily involved in your life situation to provide a sounding board and so there's a couple components to that the first is that space right I, we, I don't think we often have space in our lives where we can be our full authentic selves and not fear judgment or repercussions for saying the things that we're thinking or feeling. Um, and so that for a lot of people can be transformative in and of itself. And then you have somebody who, like I said, who is a step outside of your social circle to be able to widen the lens on whatever is going on for you um, and help you to see things that you may not have seen or considered because you're so close to the situation. And then another component of it as well is that we are professionals in the field of mental health. So we do, I'd like to think, have something to offer in terms of suggestions and coping mechanisms or being able to explain certain things to people that they may not have understood before about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really resonated with me when you said the space to be ourselves, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a very open person. So like before therapy, I would just assume, oh, yeah, I can be myself with everyone. No, I'm always 100 percent myself. But you're right in that there that space is very. Um, it is uncommon to find that space. And especially with me, when I went to my therapist, I'd find myself saying like, oh, is it okay if I talk about this? Like like substance abuse, for example, like mm-hmm. or substance issues. Like, is it okay to talk about this with someone? And then realizing, oh, even though I'm an open person, this is still something that 
I can't talk about everyone with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very common for me to have um, or see people who um, are apologizing for their emotions because um, I think that that's such a common thing that we do um, with people is that we feel like we need to apologize for taking up space in somebody else's day um, to express our emotions or how we're feeling. And so one of the things I try to do is break that habit with my clients to be like, you know what? No, it's okay. You're allowed to take up space. You're allowed to have your feelings. And if, if this isn't a space that you feel comfortable doing that, then, then where is that space going to be? Um, and what does that space look like for you? So that really resonates with me, both the idea of... Um, not wanting to impose oneself is is how it feels sometimes uh and also how great it would be to have a sounding board almost like an objective third party to yeah just bounce situations or ideas or feelings off of um so I think for me, whenever I've come to a point where it's like, maybe this is something I should seriously consider, it's usually at a point where I'm feeling really overwhelmed, like there's been a death in the family or there's an, a, some other overwhelming situation, perhaps with work or personal relationships. Um, so it's like, it's getting serious. Is is that the time? When is the time <laughs> to to seek counseling? I wouldn't say that there's any specific time that would be better than others um, because I feel like any time in your life when you are kind of getting that pull or that urge to work on something and you feel ready to work on something, then that's that's the right time. Um, but like you're saying, what you're describing is more of a crisis situation where um, – I mean, I define crisis, I mean, this isn't just me, this is other people too, but uh, crisis as this this period of time when all we're experiencing so much stress or so, so many stressors in our life that our normal coping mechanisms have been overwhelmed. Um, so the way that we would usually deal with our day-to-day life is no longer working because we've had something significant happen or lots of significant little things happen over time. And so in those situations, counseling can be really helpful to take us out of the crisis for a moment. And it can be really transformative in that that can be a really great time for people to learn new coping skills that they may not have considered before that makes them more resilient to um not being crisis in crisis again in the future, essentially. So crisis counseling can be really helpful in that way to get us through the, those moments. But what I find is is also really amazing is when people come to counseling when things are kind of going okay. And it's not super that there's there's, there's nothing significant that's happening, but it is... It's a time when you can really have the space to learn new things, to work on new things, and not feel like you're so overwhelmed by your day-to-day life that you can't apply the skills that you're learning. So sometimes people are, when they're in crisis, it's really difficult to to work on just our day-to-day coping skills, our, our de- the development of resiliency and things like that, because we're so focused on, like rightfully so, we're so focused on whatever the crisis is. So in those times when we do have a little bit of space, when we're not feeling constantly overwhelmed, that can be the time when we 
when we learn the skills to prevent those types of situations from happening in the future. Oh, yeah. We talked about why, when. Now we can talk about the who. The who. Hmm. Who should consider going to therapy? I would really, I mean, I'd really say anyone who would like to. Um, it's, it's really great if you do have a specific goal in mind, something that you're wanting to work towards or something in your life that you can identify that you want to be better. Um, but other than that, there's really nothing else that I can think of that would be a wrong reason to go to, like, or a, I can't think of a specific person who, like, shouldn't go to therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that it's it's anyone who has, yeah, something that they're wanting to work on or improve in their life. I think there still is that stigma sometimes in uh, in society in terms of like, oh, you see a therapist? Like maybe that like surprise that like we assume that someone who's going to therapy is someone that like we would visibly see as having issues, whereas I think that stigma really needs to yeah broaden our scope yeah or yes like you said somebody that has like a significant mental health issue that's debilitating that that is causing them sort of day-to-day like a significant day-to-day struggle I think is still sometimes our idea of of who goes to therapy um well and that certainly is the case for for quite a number of people um I think that there is a growing number of people who may still struggle with mental illness but it may not be to that sort of that significant like clinical level that we would traditionally think of um who can still benefit and who are benefiting from going to therapy and from learning different skills. I find, um, and one of the things that I'm working on right now that's in very, very preliminary stages is working on a a program for uh, youth to develop emotional regulation skills, to develop interpersonal skills, all of these types of things that I think we miss out on in school and we're taught a lot of things in school but how to recognize our emotions how to name our emotions how to deal with our emotions how to deal with other people is is not something that we ever formally learn and sometimes in that informal often peer learning process we don't necessarily learn the best skills and so even just for learning those types of skills or learning how to think of or approach problems in a different way, uh, I think can be very helpful. I'm enjoying that I can feel a shift happening in my mind and how I'm thinking about therapy already, um, as opposed to something that I would seek out because I need it because mental health issues or struggles perhaps it's more of just a resource it's something out there in the world that you can have access to should you want it and like any other resource why not if if it's something that could benefit you yeah which I guess kind of seems obvious now Mm -hmm. but that definitely was one of the roadblocks of like perhaps it's it's not for me it's meant for other people it's meant for other situations but when you spoke about it as something you can do because you want to it really opened that up and something that you can use as a tool to get better at 
like interpersonal skills. It was just like, oh, so, so really it could be as easy as some people like go to paint night because they want to learn some skills there. Mm -hmm. Some people, yeah, like to go skiing because they want to learn some skills there. And here's another resource if you want to learn some reflection or self-evaluation skills or what have you. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, thank you for this. This is a journey. Of course, you're very (laughs) welcome. Um, I think you touched on something really awesome there, though, is that um, I think one of the barriers as well is, like you said, people thinking that they're going to therapy because they need to, because there's something that they're not able to do in their life, that they're not able to overcome by themselves, which is often the case. But I think it's that idea that that we can't do something ourselves that is a hindrance for a lot of people to say like, oh, it's it's so bad that I need to involve somebody else. And that can be really overwhelming for people if you have if you go into therapy with that mindset instead of, like you said, it's something that I want to do because there's something that I want to improve on in my life. Yeah, I like it. It, it has shifted it um, for me as instead of having to admit failure or having to admit um, some kind of not being good enough in the world, it's it's not that. It's not that at all, actually. It's, it's a tool. Um, yeah. Um, so... For folks like me, who are are new to being open to this idea, how how does one go about even choosing a therapist? That is a very good question um, because there are a number numbers of options, numerous options. Um, I think first is to consider um, price point. I think that that's affordability is something that often people is their first step because if you are uh, unable to afford fees in in private practice um, this is something that I'll probably talk about more later but our current fee schedule is $200 an hour um, just for those of you who aren't aware um, so that's a lot of money. You can't see us, but there was a, a lot of exchanges of raised eyebrows and eye contact in the studio here just now. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money. And I recognize that that's a lot of money. And it's it's quite inaccessible for a lot of people. And I think that that's really unfortunate. Um, so something to consider first is, is what can I afford? Um, and sometimes that means, like, can I afford one session a month? or one session every couple of weeks versus um, thinking that you have to go every single week and you have to have the funds for that. Um, Because I think you can still do good work seeing somebody once a month. But the other thing is, is that there's lots of organizations, agencies within this city and the surrounding area. Um, Alberta Health Services is one of those, as well as numerous um, like private nonprofit groups that offer free or low cost therapy. So that's something to consider first off is 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 what you're looking for um, 
would it be beneficial for you to take advantage of some of those programs if that's what you're looking for? Um, if you do have some benefits, I always suggest that people look into their benefits because most people will have some sort of psychology or social clinical social work coverage, but not necessarily know about it. That's not necessarily the part of our benefits that we always look at. I think people usually go to like prescription coverage, dental. All right, I'm done looking at this. Um, I find that usually people have anywhere between they have a certain amount per session that they get covered. Um, it's usually somewhere between fifty to hundred dollars uh, per session, or they get a percentage of the session covered. There is usually a maximum per year, and I've seen that be as low as $300, which really doesn't get you a whole lot, um, to some people have 1000 or $2,000 per year. So it really depends on the benefits. Um, something that your, your employer might also have if you have benefits is something called an employee assistance program, and that gives you... It's hard to say because every program is different, but I would say about six sessions or so of usually between three and eight, I would say, sessions uh, for free that's covered through your benefits. Uh, you just have to call, contact the program yourself, request a therapist for a certain uh certain issue and then they assign somebody to you. So that is one of the drawbacks of EAP sometimes is that you do you don't have as much choice as if you were selecting somebody and I think with a lot of agencies as well you don't really have the choice of who you get to see. Um, and so but at the same time it is often affordable or free services. So to get into private practice, because it's kind of like that's the that's the next thing is that private practice, um, often people have uh, students, some private practice will have master's level students that you can see for a reduced rate. Um, sometimes provisional psychologists like myself will reduce our rates as well while we're learning. Um, often people will offer sliding scale fees and what that means is you can pay based on what your income level is, but every single practice sets their own fee scale. So that's not going to be a consistent thing for people. So <laughs> I know that's really long-winded, but I think that it's the fee stuff is important because I think for a lot of people, that's a huge barrier to reaching out. They're going to, I think people think like, well, everyone's going to be $200 an hour when there is quite a variety of options out there. So to get back to your question about how you actually select somebody is once you've selected kind of what route you want to go, um, it's either contacting an agency or contacting your, your benefits for your EAP, or if you're looking for a private psychologist, um, I usually suggest Psychology Today. Um, most people know it as a magazine, but they also have a, an extensive online database. You can search by your postal code if you want somebody that's close to you. You can also search by particular issue or certain types of therapy, or they have special... One second. <laughs> they have special groups as well, like if you're looking for, for people who specialize in working with veterans or for example. So you have the ability to search for people that way. Yeah. And and you mentioned at the top, Rosita, that that's what you did. You kind of did like a Google of keywords. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and then kind of like looked through those options and looked at people. And yeah, I think for me having uh, LGBTQ plus uh, therapist, not, sorry, how, how do I say that? Not acceptance. Uh, Affirmation. I say like, it's like, queer affirming versus just like friendly <laughs> exactly so that's why i want to put that in the keywords so that 
um, yeah, for me, it was important to have a psychologist that um, had that on their skill set so that I would feel comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's and so- cool. sometimes going through Google that way as well, like you don't necessarily have to go to psychology today. Um, often that is something that will come up when you Google things as well, but you can put people, you can just put what you're looking for into Google and then see what comes up. Yeah, I'm, I'm realizing how, like, I really have only thought about this very ethereally because it never occurred to me to even do a Google search. And and so it's it's interesting for me to learn how how almost tailored it can be mm-hmm. to to who you are and what your comfort zones are. That's yeah. neat. Yeah. And I, I really encourage people to shop around. Um, sometimes I even encourage my own clients to shop around. Um, most people think I'm kind of weird for saying that, but uh, it's because I recognize that I can't possibly be the best fit for everybody. It's it's just not possible. Uh, I'd like to think that I'd be able to work collaboratively w- and build relationships with my client, but I, I do understand that ev- for every person there's going to be somebody that's going to be a better fit than somebody else and so it's okay and I encourage people to shop around from there for therapists if they offer a 15 minute initial free consult which a lot of therapists do take advantage of that ask them the questions that you want to know this is somebody who is going to be a provider for you they're going to be providing you a service you are paying them it's okay for you to ask questions and if they say hey I have expertise in this area you can ask them what that means like what does that mean where did you where how have you learned about this what how have you applied these skills with clients in the past and most therapists, I can't speak for everybody, but I know I'll speak for myself, uh, I'd be more than happy to answer those questions to tell you how I've gained specialization in certain areas or how I approach certain problems. So after after going through the process of searching out someone who would be a good fit uh, and getting into that, getting into the room for the first time, uh, what what could that look like? What is... What could we expect? Yeah, I really want to be careful here to only speak for myself because I don't want people to expect that what I do with my clients is what everybody does with their clients. There's a few things that are universal. Um, The first is consent forms. Uh, Usually there's an intake form of some sort as well where you fill out what you're wanting to work on, what what you've already tried, certain... uh, questions about different areas in your life, things like that. Um, consent form where we talk about what is the purpose of therapy? What are, what are the fees that we're agreeing on? Uh, what is, what's the deal with confidentiality? What are the potential limits of confidentiality? Um, all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty universal that, that you can expect from most people. Um, as well as getting some background information from you as well, but it really depends on the type of therapy from that point onwards, what you can expect from people. Uh, For myself, I like to spend some time um, going over what therapy is going to look like, especially if people haven't been to therapy before. I like to talk about myself because, no, (laughs) because I like to talk about myself. No, I actually find that it, it takes the pressure off of people if for the first 10 to 15 minutes, they don't actually have to say anything and they can just sit and listen. Um, so when I'm talking about myself, I'm talking about my approach. I'm talking about how I view problems, how I work with clients, um, 
what they can expect from me so that they can make an informed choice about whether or not I'm going to be a good fit for them. You just heard Lisa and I's conversation with Lauren Groves. That was part one of our conversation on how to take the steps towards seeing a mental health professional. Tune into part two in two weeks time on February 1st. We've come to the end of this week's episode of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. And we produce this week's show in the studios of CJSR-FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be in Amiskwichiwiskaigan, the traditional territory of the diverse indigenous peoples of this land, including the, including the Nehio, Nitsitape, Métis, Nakota, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. Thank you very much today to registered provisional psychologist Lauren Groves. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR-FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program, and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve, or tweet us at Adam and Eve, all one word. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Stay tuned to our show in two weeks' time, where you'll hear part two of our discussion with Lauren Groves. Thanks very much for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Rose Eva Forks-Jenkins and Lisa Pruden.